0: church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I am delighted that you're listening to this podcast. You know, I'm sitting right here in an office area, and right outside my window is an absolutely beautiful garden created by my wife. I mean, it is full of seasonal flowers with a big splash of color everywhere. Uh, there are ornamental bushes and native uh, shrubs. Uh, and through the garden is a beautiful uh, uh, rock pathway that leads to this concrete bench. And this garden is Kind of overseen by some large oak trees all around it, and it's just an absolutely uh, gorgeous piece of nature out there. And to the extent that I have neighbors who come by and take photographs sometimes, and and uh, comment about the beauty of this garden, and and it's and and when you go out there and sit on the bench, uh, you're just immediately filled with tranquility and peacefulness. And we know today that uh, unbelievably that the gardens can play a role in physical and emotional and spiritual healing of people. You know this ph- uh, phenomena has been studied extensively, uh, and to the extent that hospitals, uh, new hospitals especially, are putting gardens in their plans uh, because they know the healing effects that it can have on patients and staff. Last week, we had another school shooting that took the lives of six people, three young small children, only nine years old, and, and three staff members. It occurred at a private Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. The families and friends of these victims are experiencing the anguish of this horrible evil event. And again, all across America, people are wringing their hands over why these kinds of evil things occur. This week, this week is known as Holy Week. Uh, Palm Sunday was yesterday, where we celebrated the uh the coming of Jesus uh, to Jerusalem where. They were laying down palm leaves in his path and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And um, later this week, we'll be remembering the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday, we will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's uh, it's just an interesting time. You know, after having the Last Supper, <clears throat> after having the Last Supper with the disciples, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus took his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. A special garden so he could pray and there in the garden of gethsemane is where jesus was in deep sorrow over the torture and humiliation that he knew was coming it's there in the garden of gethsemane that jesus asked the question that many of us are asking today why the suffering Now, I'm like many others when I say that I paid very little attention to the Garden of Gethsemane, other than it was where Jesus prayed before his arrest. His prayer being, not will, not my will, but thine. You know, however, there's much more to the Garden of Gethsemane and what happened to there. It's really where the spiritual victory was won. If it had not been for what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, there may not have even been a crucifixion or resurrection. The Bible indicates that the Garden of Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives was a Sabbath day's walk, according to the scripture, uh, from the city Acts one twelve tells us that the ridge called the Mount of Olives was named such as you might guess because it was covered in olive trees. It's about two hundred feet above the city of uh, of Jerusalem, and it uh, offers a tremendous view of the city of uh, Jerusalem. The Valley of Kidron lies between this mountain and Jerusalem. And the whole region was a place that Jesus visited often, according to the Gospels and the Scripture. Now, the Mount of Olives is significant in Scripture for uh, many other reasons. King Solomon erected a high place on the Mount of Olives to worship foreign gods, causing the Lord to become very angry. 1 Kings 7 through 11. And King David and his followers fled Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives, weeping and barefoot after his son Absalom rebelled with an uprising. 2 Samuel 15 13 through 30. The Old Testament prophet. Zechariah prophesied that a day of the Lord would be coming when the Lord would stand upon the Mount of Olives ready for battle and be king over the whole earth. Gethsemane. It's translated from the Greek to mean oil press. Scholars assume that the Garden of Gethsemane uh, was a small garden or plot Uh, tucked away in a relatively private place and uh, as you might guess probably had an oil press right there the garden of gethsemane just as in jesus's day we seem to be surrounded by evil and what is god doing about this 2 Corinthians 4 six uh, tells us, if we were blind to the beauty of Christ, but now see Christ as our supreme treasure, it's God who turned our hearts. If we were dead in our sins with no spiritual taste for Jesus, but now love him, savor him, guess what? And... Uh, it's God who turned our heart. Especially if we hold fast to him as our own hope for lasting joy. <clears throat> we could ask the question, are there hearts of stone across America? Or even in our families? God says, I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. Are there stiff-necked, disobedient hearts in America that will not submit to God's law? God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Ezekiel 36, 27. And then we can ask the question, are there men in our country who are in bondage to the devil and and utterly repentant? God says, "I grant re- uh, repentance leading to the knowledge of truth, so that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil." Second 2 Timothy 2:25 2, and 26. Now I say all this because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus and His father agreed to freely and righteously freely and righteously. Turn the hearts of condemned men and women from death to life, from Satan to God, and from blindness to seeing, and from unbelief to faith. But Jesus would have to die for sinners. And we, we will have to take up our own cross and open our mouths and tell others what Jesus has done. Yes, Jesus had to die. And we must speak. This is how God turns hearts. It's how he gathers his people in America. So in Gethsemane, Jesus was doing two things. He was fighting for the success of his death, that he would not be overcome by death, but that death would be overcome by him. He was also showing his followers how they must join him in this same fight. That's how the mission of turning the hearts of men from death to life will succeed. And how we can make an eternal difference in the world. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, note that Jesus told his disciples to sit while I pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark 14, 32. Jesus walked away from them, and he sank to his knees and cried out to his Father in heaven, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. <clears throat> Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, this was no casual prayer. Jesus was distraught sorrowfully distraught. Matthew's gospel tells us that he fell with his face on the ground. Matthew 26, 39 as he prayed with all his might. Luke, a physician in Luke 22, 44 recorded that Jesus's sweat was like drops of blood. Now some consider Luke's description to be just Uh, some kind of mere simile. However, there exists a medical condition that produces symptoms. These symptoms described and explained this mention of blood. Hermatidrosis. Hermatidrosis is a rare but very real medical condition that causes one's sweat to contain blood. The sweat glands are uh, surrounded by tiny blood vessels that can constrict and then dilate to the point of rupture, causing blood to effuse into the sweat glands. What's the cause? The cause of hermititis is extreme anguish. Now, the intense anguish and sorrow Jesus fell was certainly understandable. He knew in painstaking detail the events that were to soon follow after he is betrayed by one of his own disciples. He knew that many who had hailed him as the Messiah only days earlier would now be screaming for his crucifixion. He knew he would be flogged. Flogged nearly to the point of death before they pounded metal spikes into his flesh. He knew the prophetic words of Isaiah spoken uh, centuries, some seven centuries earlier that he would be beaten so badly that he would be disfigured beyond that of any man and beyond any human likeness. Isaiah 52, 14. He knew that he would suffer crucifixion, the most painful and torturous method of execution ever devised. It's no wonder he was sweating drops of blood. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 26, 38, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. It's possible for any of us to become so sad, so heavy, that reality is totally distorted and the future seems hopeless and renders us unable to act. Jesus' mission must have seemed in jeopardy as he fights against the immobilizing effects of extreme, horrible sorrow. In Matthew 26, 30, Jesus cries out for help from his Father in heaven. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The cup, the cup would be all the horrors of the next 18 hours. The physical torture. The abandonment of friends. The turning away of his father. While he becomes sin. Or us. He's asking if there's any way. To achieve God's purpose. Of salvation. Without drinking this cup. Then let the cup pass. Without my drink. But then he submits. Nevertheless. Not as I will, but as you will. (laughs) Now his disciples have fallen asleep. And uh, they're sleeping while all this is happening. And while his disciples are sleeping, Jesus prays for the second time in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's something that has happened that causes his prayer to be dramatic different this time. Jesus prays, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. You see, in this second prayer, Jesus did not go on praying that he would not have to drink the cup. He began praying for success in drinking the cup. His first prayer was to keep the cup of death and suffering from me, if possible. While the second prayer was, as I drink the cup, don't let me fail to do your will and accomplish my mission. What changed? In Luke twenty-two forty-three, 43, Luke tells us that after Jesus prayed, there appeared to him an angel from heaven Strengthening Him. Yes. Even today, as we pray, many suffering Christians find strengthening from the Holy Spirit after prayer. It's been very disappointing uh, to me to see some of the derisive mocking of Christians in their prayer life by. Journalists and pundits after the school shooting in Nashville. These individuals have no understanding of the power of prayer by God's people. Matthew 26, 38, Jesus asked the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, who would become the pillars in the early church, to remain and watch with me. In other words, stay awake and be spiritually vigilant. He understood that there were huge forces at work and that they needed to be awake and spiritually alert. Well, after Jesus had prayed, he returned and he found the disciples sleeping. And interestingly, he addresses Peter directly. He said to Peter, so you cannot watch me one hour? Jesus goes on in Matthew twenty six forty one to say, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus understood what the disciples were going to be facing. The disciples basically slept through the battle Jesus was going through in the Garden of Gethsemane. This story is told in all four Gospels. I think so that believers can be inspired to watch and pray and be ready for our own Gethsemanes to move with Jesus in his saving work. In the wake of this tragic school shooting in Nashville, our country has again struggled with the question, what is the reason for pain and suffering? You know, as we ponder that question, we must remember that everybody suffers because of sin, transgression in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God. From that point on, the earth has been under a curse. Human beings have been born with a sinful nature. That's why we have diseases, death, natural disasters, accidents, violence, and hardships of all kinds. The intensity of Christ's suffering really proves the severity and extent of what is wrong in the world and in people. As long as we remain on this earth, there's going to be pain, difficulty, troubles, and suffering. You know, like Jesus, we will have some dark nights in our assemblies. But Christ left us with an example of how to respond when God's will, God's will includes more pain than we think we can bear. Unlike Christ's struggles, ours often often involves uh, reluctance to follow God's will. And uncertainty about what he's doing. When the pain is so intense that we feel we can't bear it, all we want is relief, and we keep asking for deliverance. Sometimes it seems God is silent. Nothing changes. And although it seems like he doesn't care. The Lord is demonstrating His love by using pain and difficulty to instruct us, purify our hearts, and motivate obedience. He will answer our prayers, but only in His time and in His way. In the meantime, and I love this promise, in the meantime, He will give us comfort and strength, just as he did for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to acknowledge that uh, today that many of my comments have been based on the writings of Charles Stanley and John Piper. And as we close this podcast, I'd like to quote Charles Stanley. We we cannot escape pain and adversity. But we can choose how to respond to it. If we become angry or bitter, blame others, our suffering will be in vain. But the Lord wants us to trust Him in the midst of our anguish. When we yield to His will, knowing that He is using it to achieve something great in our lives... He will give us the grace to endure and grow in Christ's likeness. Thank you for listening today. I hope you'll be back with us in the future. And may God grant you special blessings on this day. God bless you.